What's up? Welcome to What You Know. My name's Austin, and this is the show where I try to figure out what is going on. Today's concept, yep, is on identity. What is our image of ourselves, whether perceived or misperceived? What are the things that make us up in our minds and to other people, I suppose? For me, I've built the bulk of my identity around what I do for a living. I make videos and I am very much invested on how other people feel about those videos and how I feel about the videos that I make. And I have pretty stringent standards for myself. Standards I don't think I can actually meet. And so if the bulk of my identity, <laughs> which is a little bit sad, revolves around the creations that I make and the way other people perceive them and the judgments I put on them, then my identity is going to be a little uh, shaky. I suppose there's a whole slew of um, ways to build out one's identity beyond just, you know, your occupation. It might be the interests you have, the hobbies. Lately, I've been getting really into, vibe into music on car rides and at the gym. And something about certain songs makes me feel like me. You know, it opens something up and it's like, oh yeah, I resonate with this. This feels right. And it's never like a quality that I have necessarily. It's more of a, um, a feeling. I guess music has a way of that, of tapping into feelings. But I'll be in the car, rocking out, getting in my feels. And to me, if somebody else is uh, creating a thing that I resonate with, that feels like something you can attach your identity to. And yet, if you're going for individuality when it comes to identity, you can kind of throw it out the window if the thing that you're identifying with was generated by someone else. But maybe that's telling about my perception of identity. <clears throat> that an identity must be fully unique 
You know, you only have so much time on this earth to be you and that version of you that develops over the years should be as you as possible and not somebody else. But I've run up against a lot of challenges in my um, unachievable desire to be fully unique in that there's billions of people, you know, and along with those billions of people is this tool um, called the internet and all the devices and applications that go along with it. And that connection to the world, to those billions of other people, is pretty quick about letting you know that everything's been done in a way. At least that's the feeling you get when you get on the internet. It starts off as a big spectacle, you know, in my youth, like just getting on the internet and watching the craziest stuff, just people being insane. Um, it's quite exciting. But the longer I was on it, the more I was realizing that it's draining something in me when I take in the world at such a constant rate and at such a high level of emotion. Um, it's taking something from my actual life. There's something about seeing other people living very intensely, or at least put out the illusion of living very intensely, that convinces me that my life is bland. And I suppose that could be totally accurate if you're comparing yourself to the world and everything going on in it. No individual lives an interesting enough life to compete with that. And if they somehow did, it would not end well. And so this massive mistake that I've made of taking what I see from other people and pointlessly comparing it to what I'm doing on a daily basis is an excellent way to beat yourself up. Because even if you could take in all of the content from billions of people and somehow process that information and look at what hasn't been done and then do something new. By the time you did it, what would be the point? That's millions of lifetimes of information all just to say 
I did that first. Not even like I'm the one that did that, but I did it first because if you find something absolutely unique, it has a way of getting latched onto virality, I suppose. If you ever tap into something completely unique and authentic, inevitably you are just the um, the messenger of this new concept that in a day will be old. And so it's pointless. It's pointless for me to pursue the endeavor of being uncopyable. And what I'm realizing is the only way to even get close to that, that individuality, is to reject taking in all of this content and information outside of your immediate circle. Because there's the world, which is too massive for any of us to ever understand. Just the people alone are beyond uh, one lifetime's comprehension. But then there's your world, which is much smaller. And I suppose I would define your world as the individuals that you interact with regularly and the places you will go throughout your life. The places you spend most of your time, more importantly. Um, there's this thing about being generous, being charitable, wanting to help the world, wanting to save it, that has a way of bringing me down in that there's no way to fix it. It's a very daunting task to try to fix the world. Ibu dog, you're going too far, sweetheart. There she comes. And I guess if you're trying to solve the world's problems, you will always fail. And so it's incredibly important to acknowledge the part of the world that you have control over, at least some amount. And that's your world. That's, that's a much smaller circle, as it should be. And our connection to everybody gives us this illusion 
of thinking that we are um, required to be connected to the world as a whole on a level that is unsustainable. And I think anybody who spends too much time online knows it drains you. And I'm getting older, and with that might come a lack of energy, but I'm fairly confident growing up with the internet that it has a way of making you feel like you've done things that you haven't actually done. And I, I think that's a very dangerous premise to feel like you've experienced something but not actually experienced it yourself. The reality is, for us, our sphere of influence is very small. And it's important to act on that level of potential impact. That being where you should spend the bulk of your life is with the people you love and the people that are actually with you. Because anything outside of that is a muted version of real interaction. If the bulk of your life isn't spent with the people that are actually here with you, then you're missing out on the full depth of human relationships. I believe that. I also believe you can find value in people outside of that circle but it becomes much, much harder and much more difficult to sustain that relationship. And so the longer I live, the more I push myself to pull away from exposing myself to the world as a whole because it's too big. And so if I'm gonna build an identity, the foundation of my identity needs to be built on individuals 
who have my best interest at heart and I theirs. Because anything outside of that little circle introduces individuals who interact with you based on something less productive. And oftentimes individuals that aren't absolutely close to us might be seen more as tools than as humans. That must be why we watch people who aren't in our lives, you know? When we take in content, when we watch movies, they are a tool to allow us to feel something, which sounds a lot like a relationship, but it isn't because there is no meaningful exchange. It's one way, it's a performance for the most part. And even though it makes you feel something and can often make you feel something much stronger than you're used to in daily life, its actual value is much lower than an interaction with somebody that you know. Beyond individuals, there's our memories. They're the things that we've done and the things that we've experienced that inevitably constitute some part of our identity. And that's a very funny space to exist in, you know, to define oneself by what one has done and what you've experienced. It's an ambiguous place to be in the past. Because in it comprises the majority of your life up to this day. You know, the present moment, <laughs> based on how you define it, is so minuscule and so arbitrary in some ways. You know? This second is what comprises the present, if that. And the second it passes, It falls on top of this massive fleeting storage that is our brain.
And the actual events, I don't think, get contained very well. What's contained is how we perceived it. But even more specifically, how it made us feel. And based on that, one's memory is incredibly biased. It's not an account of what happened. It's an account of how we felt about what happened. And if two people talk about a day in the past, the further back you go, you know, you see it with, with um, couples who are bickering about details. You know, like, no, it wasn't on a Thursday, it was on a Friday. No, you're thinking of uh, Jennifer and she did this thing. No, that was a different time. Yada, yada, yada. All those little details are obviously up for debate. While there is truth somewhere out there, the bulk of those misinterpretations occur because we have these imperfect storage systems that aren't copying or documenting reality, it's documenting our reality. And that's a weird but important difference to acknowledge. And beyond what we um, experience, we have all these little mental notes on our own value stored in our brains from the past. And sometimes if you have a flashback, you know, triggered by a smell or going back to somewhere, suddenly you can see how different you are in comparison to however long ago this flashback takes you to. You know, I'm a totally different person than I was 10 years ago. in so many fundamental ways. And I think the older you get, the less you change for the most part. But your memories of who you think you are can be misleading. In that if you think you were this person then and you pretend that you are that person now because of what you remember, there's, um, there's this momentum that can either help or hurt you in convincing you 
that you're somebody that you might not be anymore. Good or bad. Because if you're convinced that you've done too much wrong to be forgiven by those who love you, then there's the possibility that that belief will perpetuate the very things you've done to separate yourself from those you love. You know, I'm resigned to this. I've done this. What's the point in changing if I can't uh, be looked at any differently? If I can't regain what I've lost with those I love, I may as well continue. And then you have the, uh, the opposite version of, of this where if you see a version of yourself that you take too much pride in, you know, you look back on your past accomplishments and what you've done for other people, and you look at that as a way to carry you forward with your self-worth and with your contribution to the people you love, then you could end up hating yourself down the line because you um, identified yourself as someone above reproach or something. And so regardless of whether or not you look down upon yourself or you think of yourself too highly, your past interpretation of yourself should not have as much bearing on you as it does right now. And even though the present is absolutely minuscule in terms of time experienced, even though it, it continues to get smaller as you get older, you know, the size of the present versus total life lived that's set in stone, unchangeable, It's important to remember that the moment of now is the only moment that has potential. The past has zero potential in what it is. It can only be used to learn from, to impact this singular second. And the more we think about that, 
And the more I feel that, the more opportunity I have to build an identity that not only makes me feel good, but is real. <laughs> 